Welcome to Tree Talking Time, where we talk all things tree dogs. The smallest feists to the largest hounds. Train squirrels to bears and everything in between. And from time to time, we might even run a little fast game. So what can I, what can I help, you know, under, you know, guys understand like us? What do you think some of the basic questions or, or your, the thought process of guys that need help understanding the, well, the, first of all, the like a breed? Most people don't even know what they are. Like I see right. it all the time. You know, you post a picture or somebody else posts a picture of one and they're like, what kind of dog is that? Is that a coyote or, you know, yeah. or, or, or is that a husky? And, and it's like, no, it's like a, you know, so, so kind of just give a, give us a little, uh, the other day you were kind of, you gave me a nice little history of them and rundown so, of how they got right, here. So, you, so they actually, obviously they're from Siberia mm-hmm. and there, and there's four major types. We have the West Siberian Laika. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest type that we have in the United States. There's the East Siberian. That's a little bit bigger Laika. Uh, size-wise, and I was just talking to Vladimir Baragovoy, who's the guy that actually brought them here to the U.S., the yep. first breeding pairs. Mm-hmm. So I was just talking to Vladimir about the East Siberian Lycas the other day. Okay. you got the Carrillo Finnish, and they're, they're a Lyca, but the Carrillo Finnish has that red, almost like a Finnish spitz, except for they're a little bigger. Okay. And then you have the Russian-European Lyca, and that's the black and white. Yep. They're smaller than the Carillion Bear doll. Interesting. I didn't know um, that. So that, that's like the four major types, but most mm-hmm. of us in the U.S. deal with the West. Yeah. Um, that's the one that we mainly deal with, and all those are regional-type dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, the East Siberian Laika, they wanted them a little bigger, not only because they, they were a, big, a bigger dog, they're a little bigger dog because they had deeper snow in that area. Okay. They did work a little more big game, big game, but they will work small game as well. Mm-hmm. But they would also pull a sled. Gotcha. Um, so multi-purpose. Yeah. Dog. And the West Siberian Laika was out of two major branches of people in Russia. The Hantai and the Mansai people um, were the two major groups. Okay. And so when later on, when after World War II, and they wanted the professional fur traders at that time, they're professional hunters, to have this breed of dog that the Siberian people had for years, thousands of years. I want to say when I was talking to Vladimir, about 5,000, but don't wow. quote me on that. They're, they're at least well over 1,000. That mm-hmm. I can say for sure. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, with, when, when you're dealing with that, you know, that kind of dog, that East Siberian, you know, the West Siberian won't pull a sled. It's got too much brain drive. Okay. So the, they need, you know, it's a little bigger dog that will, we'll, you know, that's because of the area they were in. Mm-hmm. Most of us do hunt the West Siberian. And I've seen some, I've seen some people, I'm not going to, you know, that said they're great small game dogs. They're a versatile dog that will hunt everything. Any Leica should hunt various types of game. Yeah, And what I was getting to, and I kind of got off track, was when they wanted them to come back in Russia for the professional hunters, is that the Soviets, their geneticists, all geneticists, worked to bring this breed about after World War II because everybody, 
all the dogs were all, you know, eaten or whatever. And so yeah. they went back into Siberia and like rebred them. Okay. That also makes them really good. This isn't like when they redid them. It isn't like a bunch of backyard breeders breeding them. These are oh, yeah. geneticists that professionals. were breeding. Yeah, they were professionals breeding dogs. And, and we're looking for the very, very best versatile dog mm-hmm. to hunt with. And that's why they'll bay okay. big game. Over there, and they're used heavily in Russia and, and uh, Europe. And I have a harder time finding the versatile ones because they got more specialized for moose and bear and boar. And that's Eurasian bear, so they don't tree. Yeah. Um, they don't go to tree. Mm-hmm. More like our grizzlies. Yep. Now, I've been, I follow quite a few guys from Europe that have them and. Yeah, most of them are hunting boar. I've got a lot of friends that I, yeah. And uh, bear, I think, are probably the two most common things I see personally. Right. So when Vladimir brought them over, they were much more versatile and and had a greater treeing ability. Um, You have to be real careful when you import them. And I lost my good contact to really have the good treeing ones because we can't import from Russia or the Ukraine. Yeah. And those, there were some guys that I had over there that really still bred the versatile ones. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, obviously I can't import from there. And you, the Ukraine is in Russia about in the war. So it gets a little tough to find yeah, versatile like, as, um, like we have. And I, I have a few contacts in Norway. Why this group in Sweden contacted me yesterday, <laughs> they did because I hunt a, a lot of, I do a lot of coon hunting with mine just yeah. because of my job schedule. Oh yeah. Definitely. Um, I hunt them on squirrel and coon and upland game. Okay. But the uh, Swedish organization of the life has got a hold of me yesterday and asked me to write an article about hunting coon with Lycas. Um, they wanted to know all about it because they saw my posts, um, <laughs> with their group. Yeah. And so now, now I got to write this article and I was like, okay. That'd be interesting. So, I told him I'd do it. I have a teaching background, so writing an article is not a big yeah. deal. And I, so well, I, I don't mind doing it. That's why I have you on here too. You know, we want some. We want the education uh, on on these like uh, I don't. I don't know if I'm a genius by. Any, I just worked hard at it. <laughs> well, but, hang on one second. We uh, we failed to mention you know who you are for all the listeners. So this is oh. Darren Petty. And how long have you had Lycus? I've only had them about twelve years. Well. They've only been here for what, 25, 30 years? Uh, early 90s uh, when okay. Vladimir brought them over. Um, so it's not like they've been here you, for a, a long stretch of time. No. A, occasional guy might have one from uh, Russia, mm-hmm. but not like a breeding pair like Vladimir brought in. Yeah. Guys like Eddie Hicks, who's in Arkansas, he bought some of the original Lycas in the U.S. And okay. Eddie's, in my mind, one of the best Lyca guys in America. By gotcha. far. He's not a guy that's on any kind of internet or anything <laughs> like that. He's just a hunter. Yeah. I mean, and he's got, he has outstanding likes. I wanted some of his blood, so I bought one here a couple of years ago from it. Now, what's he, what's he run his dogs on? He mainly runs his dogs about predominantly on squirrel. Okay. That's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. He's got some that he'll run coon hunting, but not very often because gotcha. it gets more freeze and. Yeah. You know, and, and he's in he, his schedule. He works like he's an older guy, so he works like two or three days a week, and then he'll hunt the rest of the week. So, the biggest thing I would tell people about any like is this they're 
and I grew up with hounds and beagles and I went through fights and I went through curs and, and, and like I was telling you before is the bonding with a Leica is extremely important. Okay. They want that, that it's a partnership with a hunt with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, and that bond is, you know, they'll hunt their guts off. They're not a good dog. And I just had a conversation with Vladimir yesterday. He said people get frustrated with them because they think they can put them in the kennel like a hound all year and then get them out and hunt them. Yeah. And they don't do well that way. That Their kind dogs of surprises gotta spend me. Time. Uh, they, they, you know, they, because the people over there in that in Siberian area, they would like, they were part of the community. Now, obviously, if they didn't make a dog, they made them into a coat. You know, <laughs> you, you, you know, yeah, if man. you didn't make the grade, you weren't going to be sitting around. Mm-hmm. But they don't do well with that. Just in some senses, a lot of your primitive breeds have kind of been established on like the outskirts of human civilization. So a lot of right. times they're not necessarily the most people pleasing type breed. You take like a New Guinea singing dog or a Basenji for an example. Or, yeah, and, exactly. And neither breed are a people pleaser. You know, they're kind of like, Oh yeah, you exist. You feed me. Okay, great. But they can kind of take it or leave it. Yeah. With so, them, it's that relationship. Interesting. And here's a really good example that I can tell you from firsthand experience. So I was down to just my one Leica. She was bred. And a buddy of mine said, uh, Dave Wood in Michigan. Dave said, Darren, I got, I have a really good male. And why don't you come get him and hunt him? And, and I read this. Vladimir wrote about it. If, if you have not, if you think you want a lot, uh, any Leica, please do yourself the favor and get hunting Leica breeds of Russia on Amazon by Vladimir Baragovoy. It'll save you a lot of trouble whether you want one or not. But anyways, okay. he wrote about that, this fact, you just can't go grab a like a, a, a lot of these. You can't go grab them and go hunt your buddy's dog because they won't hunt for it. Yeah. And I went up there and, and picked up my buddy's Leica and had it for two days and took it out. That dog would not hunt a lick. <laughs> he would stand there and look at me, and I was, and I, so I called Dave, and I, and he said, "Man, how's that dog working out?" Man, he won't hunt. He's like, "What?" And I said, "You know, Vladimir wrote about this. Yeah, it took thirty days before mm-hmm. that dog would hunt for me. And I just kept to... spending more and more time with him every day. Mm-hmm. About thirty days." I killed limits of squirrels with him until I took him back to Dave's house. So it's kind of similar to, you know, a lot of curs and feist can kind of be like Cur- that too. Curs and feist can be that way too. Actually, I, right. I had a cur dog like that, best dog I've ever actually owned. And uh, But when I got her, a friend of mine had trialed her for me because he lives in Ohio and he knew the guy that had the dog and I was going to go out there in a few weeks. So he trialed her with, it, with the guy that had her. She did everything the guy said. I said, okay, buy her. I go out there to pick her up. Wouldn't hunt a lick for me. Well, she would, she would hunt. But it was like slick tree in. It's hard to catch, you know, just doing stupid stuff. Right. And like you said, right. it, it took about a month. And after about a month, me and her, we, we were good. Yeah. You know, I've had several. Kilby's one that's lasted the longest, and she's a Ukrainian uh, import from okay. Igor Slavovsky. And he now lives in California. Mm-hmm. So she's sitting here at 11, sitting on her dog bed looking at me. I picked her up. A guy had her. Because somebody bought her to be a pet. Well, okay. she'd break out of the windows trying to get the squirrel in the yard. So the lady rehomed her. 
And the guy that had her lived in Colorado, and he said, she's more dog than I can handle. Mm-hmm. And I said, does she tree? And he sent me videos, and she was training yard squirrels. I said, I'll drive out and get her. He said, I'll give her to you if you want her. I was like, send me some pictures, cause, you know, some videos of this dog training. Yeah. And she was not quite two. And I went out there, and I had to fix some things, like she would run a 1,000 yards. And, I, you know, we don't want squirrel dogs. I don't. You know, maybe some guys do if they're competition yeah. hunting curve or something. But if you're a, just a hunter, you don't mm-hmm. really want your dog running a 1,000 yards. And, and so I had to fix some things. Um, okay. Then got her coon hunting. And, and, I, and she's, to this day, um, still, when I'm introducing them to upland game birds, and they're very good at it. Um, what I do is I just take them to those places where they release birds. And they'll put the birds out. Yeah. And I just tell that, I just start, because most of us tone train our dogs. Mm-hmm. So I just tone them and tell them, find a bird. And I and they put the birds where you want them. Yeah. So then they'll, they'll smell it. They'll get gamey and they'll flush that bird. You shoot anything to these dogs. That's why I tell people. Um, and when I, when you talk to my European counterparts or Russian counterparts, they always tell you, if you don't want that dog to hunt it, don't shoot it because <laughs> if you do, it will hunt it. So like, I don't shoot out possums, even if it's the first thing the dog treats, I'll okay. just lead them away. As soon as I, I shot those birds, those pheasants to the, to those dogs, her and I even were my first pair, um, they they would bird hunt, yeah. And we'd hit the field, and I hunted wild birds with them. They'd shorten their distance. They would find birds, flush birds. Um, they're pretty good about bringing birds back. So are they just a flushing um, dog then? Yeah, they're a flushing. They're not a pointing. Okay. So they would flush. You shoot the bird. They were pretty good about naturally bringing them back. Ivan would eat the head, not have to get after him by quail. Pheasants, he wouldn't do that. Quail, he's like, eh, I think I'll take the head off that one. Um, <laughs> now, if they're if they're like release bird and you miss them, that Lyca will stay with that with that bird and force that bird to go to tree. Really, and will tree it. Interesting, because. They hunt Lycas and Finnish Spits heavily on grouse and Capricali. And the Capricali is the size of a small turkey. It's a very large grouse. So they hunt they hunt Finnish Spits, Norbotten Spits, and Lycas will tree those game birds. What do those birds look so, like? Uh, they're, the, the, they're a dark-colored bird. Capricali is a very dark-colored, beautiful bird, uh, like a blackish brown mm-hmm. uh, they got the males have uh, like a red around the at the um the bottom of the, of the of the throat okay they're they're really really pretty and they've got big grouse over there too and and i've had friends that these dogs will tree rough grouse I was, I was always curious what those birds were like i said i follow a couple of different people in europe that hunt with lycas or or some sort of spits or elk hound or something like that and i've seen yeah. those birds i just had no idea what they were <laughs> Right, they're Capricali, and the, and the, and the, they do hunt those. So it's real natural for them to push that bird okay. and tree it. Hmm. Um, and 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 with each species of game, the dog will treat differently by breed by the breed standard and the way they were bred. Grouse, a Lyca doesn't tree as hard, where a Spitz will 
it gets graded on how many barks per minute okay. that they bark on a grouse. It's a little different because they're but they bark a lot more. Mm-hmm. A guy wants a heavy duty tree dog that's a you know get a norbotten or a finished fit because they tree hard. Interesting. Um, because they get judged on that. A lichen will just bark enough for you to get there on a grouse. They'll bark a little more on a squirrel. They bark heavier on a on a coon. And then it. Um, I've got friends that Alex and I can't say Alex's Russian name Either last I. name. By <laughs> I, I, um, I didn't even try. I was like, Al- "This is Alex." And I said, "You can say your last name." <laughs> yeah, um, Alex is a big time bear hunting his like yeah. Now they tree those really hard. The bigger the game, the harder they tree. Mm-hmm. The more aggressive the bark is. So I, you know, like coon hunting, my dogs bark more. They bark harder. Mm-hmm. Than they do on squirrels. Yeah. Funny thing. And, you, and I've learned some, mis- yeah, I've made some mistakes on buying some professional hunters from Russia because they'll bark five or six barks because they don't want them to chase that game off because furs money. Yeah. And so five or six barks, and I think I was telling you that the other day, and that would be it. That dog would bark five or six barks. You'd have to follow him on the GPS. The mm-hmm. squirrel or the coon would be there every yeah. time. <laughs> if it changed trees, he'd bark five or six barks. Drove me nuts. I mean, I'm still <laughs> like to hear a tree dog. You know, yeah. I don't want to have to use my GPS to find you. Yep. Um, but that's what they wanted. Okay. So you know, I've, I and, I mean, and when I called Vladimir, he told some me sense. he said, "Yeah, I mean, because the less you, you know, if you start thinking about the heart of the tree dog, a lot of times that pushes that squirrels, especially gray squirrels." Mm-hmm. they'll get going yeah um and and that's the other thing about them with their training style that they grade on their diplomas in russia because they have diplomas for their hunting diplomas mm. they're looking for that dog not to ever put its feet on the tree that's not a proper training style because they don't want to spook the game okay that dog should be looking at the game either sitting or standing and watching the game Gotcha. That's what they're looking for, um, and that that they get they get downgraded on their diploma because one is the highest diploma, then two, then three. I've heard um, that they're a little looser, like they they tend to be back, they tend to be watching, but I never realized right. that, that was such a like that they were graded on it, and it was something that it was, it was like really bred for. Yes, that that's what they're looking for. They're they're definitely looking for that. It's, uh, and I've heard Igor, like, he, somebody put a post of their dog training over in Russia somewhere. And he was like, they were making a big deal because the dog was training. He goes, hopefully the dog outgrows feet on tree bad. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, not proper style or something of that nature, what Igor said. Because, yeah. um, you know, when he was talking to the person, of course, then they start talking in Russian and it wasn't real nice. <laughs> <laughs> They were having a pretty heated de- debate. Translator doesn't work real good on that stuff. I couldn't yep. follow it all. But, um, yeah, that's something they, they look for. And if you've seen any of um, Alex's dogs pre-bear, they're not on the tree. Mm-hmm. They're usually sitting at the bottom of the tree watching that bear. Yeah. Now, the only time I saw now, the, the one dog on the tree, was the bear was coming down, and she was trying to get it. Yeah, I mean, then they'll get up there a little bit to push that bear back up. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And they just did a big hunt in West Virginia. Jake McDonald brought his dog, one of his dogs down. Pam Spank, who's in Michigan with uh, Flint, and um, she has one of the uh, pups from Kilby's last litter, from Ember. And uh, they joined Alex in West Virginia. Mm -hmm. They killed up one bear. And this was, and then they had this other thing that they that they did that it kind of surprised me. And I'll explain why it surprised me. Um, they had jumped a coyote, and there was five dogs running, and they ran that coyote down and caught it, killed. The reason why it surprised me is something that Vladimir wrote and had talked to me about because I had noticed with my first Lycas that if there were coyotes in the vicinity, they'd quit hunting and come back. And I asked him, I said, what, what's going on? He said, because dumb Lycas that did not understand to stay away from large predators become wolf poop in Siberia. Yeah. So I was kind of surprised, you know, that the dog actually did that because my yeah. first like is if they smelled a coyote, they come back. And Kilby's 11, I was out in Missouri last year and we were hunting and, and it's legal to road hunt there. And we were roading her and she kept trying to get back in the truck. And, and I was like, and, and all my dogs are trained that if I open that door, they just jump in. Yeah. So that way I don't have to ever worry about them getting hit. Mm-hmm. So she's trying to get back in the truck and I'm, I'm like getting annoyed. So I catch, finally just catch her up and I'm like, what the heck's going on? We're coon hunting. We go around the edge and about seven coyotes start barking. Wow. Going nuts. And they were yeah. probably 50 yards off the road. So she knew. That dog wouldn't hunt. She yeah. knew. And, and that was fascinating to me, you know, that dog, you know, and some dogs are naturally, you know, afraid, but, you know, that was why I got out of the feist. Not that there's anything wrong with a feist dog. Cause we have a lot of coyotes and, yep. and I, and I like to hunt at night and that's not a good scenario. Yeah. Not saying they can't treat coons. They can. They're fine dogs. I just need a little bigger dog that was, you know, and then to find out they were a little wary of them made it even better. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you got bad Made problems. Them, you know, because we all have had friends that have had even cur dogs tackled by coyotes. Yeah. Now, um, last year I had a pair of coyotes come in on, on two of my hounds. Luckily, I happened, oh, yeah. to be, I happened to be between them, and I deterred them from coming all the way in. But they right. were, were going to come in and fight my dogs off a tree. Yeah. I mean, that's, we all know that that, that happens in, in the – and the bigger the pack and, and the more, you know, that that makes them bolder. Oh, yeah. That makes them bolder. Mm-hmm. So, and that's one of the things that I found very fascinating about the West Siberian Laika or any of the Laikas. I've never, I've never fooled with anything but the West. Yeah. I've never hunted a Karelian, I mean, a Russian European Laika. Um, they're smaller than the West or the East mm-hmm. or the Karelian. Okay. I mean the uh, Russo, the Russo uh, finish. Yeah, and the the Russo finish Leica, uh is a reddish color. Okay, like the Spitz, like the finish Spitz, except for a little bit. So I've never hunted any of those three breeds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only but, the only uh, personal experience I ever had with any sort of Leica breed is actually a Carillion, and uh, a neighbor had one growing up, and it was, you know. They rest got it from some rescue. It had been abused, and she was wary of strangers. And they didn't hunt or anything. Yeah, they're a little pricklier. They used to be a decent hunting dog, 
and they become and like a lot of dogs. They became a dog that people wanted yep. because they're neat mm-hmm. and they've kind of been messed up a little bit. Now, um, I, I occasionally get calls where people ask me, man, I had a Carillion and some guys several, several, you know, years ago had Carillion bear dogs that are really good hunting dogs, really good squirrel dogs. Yeah. And I just had a guy talk to me the other you know, couple weeks ago and I said, I know a lady in a in Alaska that has some pretty good ones that she wants them a little gamier because they keep the bears and moose out of the yard and they yeah. will treat squirrels. Mm-hmm. I said, you'll have to ask her if she has any. It's now pretty popular. I don't want to say popular, but that with Carillions, um, there's groups that are ra- that raise them to, to use to chase off bears for bear deterrence. Yep, bear hazings. Yeah. I remember, I think it was um, National Geographic that had a big article on them, you know, 10 years ago. Right. And there's different groups that are raising that, that they got a little more hatred of bears, mm-hmm. but they're so dang expensive. I mean, they're so costly. And I tell guys, I go, so now guys in Alaska are starting to import, I mean, not import, but bring uh, West Siberian Lycas up to Alaska because it's cheaper to buy a Lyca than a Carillion bear dog. And they'll yeah. do the same thing. Oh yeah, it's just yeah. yeah it'll, so you know, agreed. um, you know, you might pay four hundred, five hundred dollars for a West Siberian Lyca pup, where you're paying anywhere from twelve to twenty five hundred dollars for a Carilion Bear Dog pup. Didn't so, and that doesn't count. Yeah, so much money. So, yeah, you know, they're like, "Why am I going to do that?" And so, one guy that's doing it in Alaska, I've talked to him a couple times. You know, he's selling his Leica pups for $1,000 up in Alaska to do, you know, I'm like, gosh, you know, killing us guys, you know, you're yeah. killing our breed. You know, I don't even, if they called me, I'd probably sit down and won't say it, dog, she's not going <laughs> to hunt it. I mean, I'm so yeah. picky anymore. Yeah. I go through people. I mean, yep. you have people when you're dealing with a breed like this, and I'm working on obedience because I have a you know, like I was saying earlier, I've got a uh, you know a lot of knowledge on obedience training dogs. So all the dogs that I ever work with, when I'm especially I had one that was six months old and had some issues with uh, this is a breed that when they're puppies you need to socialize a lot. Yeah, with dogs and people because they can be funny. I mean, they can get grouchy anyways because they're not a big fan of strange dogs, okay. and you have to really work on that. Mm-hmm. and strange people if you don't have a lot of hands on them. Yeah. So I was thinking that I've taken this dog in the store because every dog I work, pet dog I work with, and, and if I'm training a dog for obedience, has to go in the store and do all its commands. Yeah. He'll sit down, stay, come, all that. You know, ignore people in the store, all that. So everybody wanted to ask, oh, man, you got to hustle. No, it's not. It's, <laughs> are you a breeder? Which I go, I do not sell these dogs unless you are a serious hunter with a background check. Just so they yeah. leave me alone. Oh, yeah. Because I'm like, I don't want you buying a West Siberian Leica and like ruin the breed. We've got enough proof of, it, of pet people and what they do with breeds. Unfortunately. You know, we've seen a lot of really good breeds destroyed, whether it's the Golden Retriever, whether it's the Lab, okay. Irish Setters. I mean, you might not be familiar, but some of your listeners might be uh, one of my dad's best friends, Mike Rafe, longtime English two-down hunter, had world champions 
and and Mike Rafe was a bird dog hunter, and he had Irish setters as a kid because they were so good. Yeah, and he said they became popular, and you know, I would you couldn't give me an Irish setter, and I've trained six or seven of them. Mm-hmm. You know, I trained six or seven Irish setters, and they were okay, but they're not what they were bred to be. Oh yeah, they, you know, they're not. So I don't want them to like have mine. <laughs> even the field bred dogs anymore, they've moved away. They don't even call them Irish setters; they call them red setters. Yeah, they'll call them red setters, red and white setters. My my vet, um, David Morgan here in uh, Indianapolis, um, a big bird dog guy. Gets a uh, great great vet to have because when you're taking your dog to the vet, you're a hunting dog guy in a, mm-hmm. in an urban area like I am in Indianapolis. They see your dog and they think you're starving, it, you know, just because it's in shape and it's not twenty pounds overweight. Yep. that's why I went to Dave because he's a bird dog guy and. Mm-hmm. They never say my dogs bad. My dogs are too thin, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because <laughs> you run into that. Oh yeah, unfortunately. Like you said, they're used to seeing obese dogs. Yeah, they're not used to seeing you know in in urban areas like mm-hmm. I'm in Indianapolis. You know, they're not used to seeing a a conditioned dog. Yeah. And you're a hunter, so it's always they're looking at you, and I'm like. Mm-hmm. You're going to lab. That's what that dog was supposed to do, and I can't help you <laughs> on your couch. Yeah. So. But as far as like, you know, how I'm not a big guy with Leicas on cage game. Okay. When I'm working a Leica pup, what I usually do is I take them, you know, if if you live in the country, it's even better. But because it's like 45 minutes to an hour for me to get somewhere to hunt just because of where I'm at right now in my career and my wife's career, mm-hmm. I take them to the city park and I put them on a long line, a 50 foot leash. And I will just, because it says in the park they have to be on a leash. They didn't tell me how long it was. Yep. And I'll find those city squirrels. And I'll hold that pup and that thing on. I'll let that pup get all excited and I'll let that, that leash go because it's 15 foot long. And yeah. I'll just keep doing that and then that pup will start training. If it barks two or three times. I thought about doing that. If it barks two or three times, we're done and we're going to the woods. Yeah. And then I just start walking them in the woods. Now, I've always um, thought about doing that. I always thought that was a great, especially for a squirrel dog. It's like, where can you go if there's just squirrels everywhere? You go to a park. Everywhere and they're, and they're dumb. You yeah. can get fairly close. You know, it doesn't matter what breed of dog it is. If you want to start a squirrel dog and get it barking a little bit, you can see eight or 10 in yeah. 20 minutes. Exactly. So that, that's how I kind of do it where I'm at. Mm-hmm. You know, I've done it differently when I lived in the country. Uh, I would take them in areas that i knew there were a lot of squirrels mm-hmm. um with short trees not so that the short trees to that young dog they're kind of like a feist in the sense that they they start with their eyes and ears yep the nose comes later okay you know like a cur dog it's got you know a lot of curs have a little bit of hound in them so or bird dog so their their nose comes a little faster whether it's tracking or whatever yeah you know a lot of guys like a little bit of bird dog in their cur dog because of the winding ability a misnomer that people will say about Leicas and the and Spitz is this. They'll say they're they're they just use their eyes. No, they don't. A good Leica, and it's called Chuto in Russian. It means eyes, ears, and nose. Okay. That's what they're looking for. So they want a dog that'll do everything. All three senses, like any uh, any four dog guy would want. You know, you want them to use all three senses. That's mm-hmm. what they were looking for. And so they do start with their eyes and their ears. Anything mm-hmm. that moves, they hear it. They're, they're, anything that moves. 
Um, they hear it in the woods and they'll go check it out. But once they get going pretty decently, they start using their nose and they have phenomenal winding ability. Gotcha. Um, people don't realize how good they can wind. In a lot of areas that I coot hunt in, I've had, you know, 13 orthopedic surgeries and replace me. I'm not doing a lot of walking like I used to. <laughs> Yeah, so definitely. I'll rode that doll and I'm roading coon hunting. Okay. They can't see that coon. Yeah. They'll wind it. I've had them, I've had them carry a track 200, 250 yards and tree the coon. 350, 400 the most. Okay. So they didn't see that. I'm not saying they winded that coon 350, 400 yards. I'm saying they winded that coon in the woods and carried that track that far. Mm-hmm. Um, not with their nose down. They typically run with their their head up. Now, when they're running a track, I'm going to assume they're probably quiet. They're not saying much. They are. They don't bark on track. That's a fault if they do. I kind of figured, but yeah, I mean they're they're a silent mouth dog. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's why Alex had so much success with his bear dog. Isn't just because I mean Alex puts in the time. He has great dogs. Yeah, but you know. You wouldn't want to do it in an area where there aren't a lot of bears because you get your that requires a cold nosed dog to dig out that eight hour track and that's not their gig. Yeah. But he gets in an area whether a mile, a mile and a mile away or so, and they'll pick that track up and they aren't they aren't barking. So before that bear knows it, they're on him. Mm-hmm. He told me most of his races are, are real short. Shorter, yeah. They're a shorter race. They, you know, like I was telling you, they had that West Virginia hunt, and they just, uh, one of the bears went in a small cave, and and, and uh, Pam Spink went in there, and I didn't, you know, it's not my uh, picture, so I didn't post it in anywhere. Mm-hmm. Pam actually crawled in the cave where you see her legs. She's the smallest person there. <laughs> Pam probably weighs 128 pounds. She's, you can see her leg, is, and you're like, that's a small cave, you know? Yeah. And. Pam goes in there and shoots the bear at like three or four feet. Wow. Yeah. It's intense. And then they get the bear out. Uh, so kudos to Pam. Cause I don't know if I'm crawling in the cave with the bear. Yeah. The dogs have baited <laughs> in that cave and she, she went in there and, and shot the bear. And it was a big sow. Um, and she actually, that sow had a collar on her and tag. She was a nine year old sow. Um, and they had a, bunch of very interesting facts she never left that area her whole life so they had a lot of really good interesting stuff on that yeah now i think that's the coolest thing about when you kill a collared animal it's like you get all that all those data points and you find yeah. out all that information that most people you never know right you don't know and you know just like when you you're you're a duck hunter or a goose hunter and you mm-hmm. shoot that banded bird i yep. I, I shot a banded goose with my buddy who's a big uh, duck and goose hunter, and you and the and the and the goose was from like Maryland. Yeah, like dang, I'm in Indiana, man. You know, I, that's pretty cool. You know, yeah. that's where that goose was from. So that was pretty neat. I've had my Lycus trail. You know, Indiana, we had we we are not allowed to hunt bobcats. I I am not purposely hunting bobcats with my license. Yeah, they tree bobcats. If it's fairly close. Like any time you're coon hunting, and you guys that have treated bobcats know this, they usually bail out on you, yeah. like before you get there every time. I've had some where they've popped them up, and I've gotten in there and got some great pictures of my life as tree and bobcats. Awesome. Yeah. If they tree that bobcat and it bails out three times, I just tone them back because I know I'm going to be chasing <laughs> that bobcat all, all night long. 
and I usually know what it is that happened the other night. I can hear uh, my older female is 11. She's trained, but it's just not the tree that I know she, the way she trees on king. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what the heck? And uh, <laughs> and then all of a sudden I get about there and she leaves. Yeah. And then she trees again. Well, she's 11 years old. It bailed out the third time. She's coming back to me and said, I'm tired. You know, yeah. I'm not chasing that dang cat all night long. <laughs> you know, and, and so I knew exactly what happened. Now, would you say most Leicas are pretty close hunting dogs when you just when you're walk hunting? They'll fool you because a lot you know, obviously I don't want a real long range dog in Indiana when I'm hunting because you get on private ground. Yeah. So squirrel hunting two fifty, three hundred, coon hunting five or six. Okay. But you know, like they will go further than we let them hunt. The guys that are hunting moose and in, in in Russia and Europe, a mile or two. Oh wow! Yeah, they they will get going if you you know they want that dog to go find that moose, and they will they will get gone. And if you've never watched a video of them working a moose, it's extremely fascinating. Oh yeah, no. They, it's if you've watched one, you you know what I'm talking about. I mean, they just bark enough to keep that moose. They don't spook the moose. They don't put too much pressure on it. And they don't shoot that moose um, unless it's one they want to shoot. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know if you've watched over there and they shoot moose. They shoot more. They shoot more uh, cows and calves than we do. Yeah, and you know, you don't see as many bulls that they shoot. I don't know. I never really asked them why, but yeah. I don't know if they just. I'm, but if you see that, you you start to see that they don't shoot as many uh, bulls. Mm-hmm. Now I've noticed that. Um, I don't know what the rules are, and I never really ask them, but I, I've noticed that, you know, because I follow these guys all over the world, just like a lot of them do. And, yeah. And so I, I noticed that, that they do shoot. I don't know what the rules are or what. They're yeah. dog guys. That's, you know, yeah. I don't care. If I lived down south, I'd have running hounds. So I, oh, yeah. I don't like to set, I, I don't like to set in the blind or the stand that much. I mean, I'll shoot a deer or two a year. Yeah. Or, and my son and I, go out and if he shoots a deer i shoot a deer I, i'm a big air rifle guy so now in indiana we can hunt with air rifles okay. so it's a lot more fascinating to me to hunt with an air rifle i bought the uh uh air force texan ss 457 it shoots a 45 caliber slug them air rifles have that. like come leaps and bounds over the last few years oh um for the first and i did this for a long time i carry a 25 caliber uh benjamin rotter Mm-hmm. Uh, and coon hunt or squirrel hunt and you know and, and coon hunt with it you know I had it I had to go send it to get stripped down because air rifles are heavy okay. um, you know they're they're a heavy gun and you're shooting a 25 caliber get some bull pups but they don't they don't have the same velocity um, you know when you're talking about shooting out a, a coon I mean you, you got to make a really solid head shot okay but yeah, I shot a lot of coon with my Benjamin Rotter air rifle, and nice. and I do like the twenty five caliber mm-hmm. uh, for squirrels, even. And the reason being is, you, you know, and I try to explain this to air rifle guys. They're they're always, you know, air rifle guys can be weird, <laughs> especially overseas. You know that you you're you're like they're like shooting squirrels in the backyard, and they're like, well, I can shoot so many meters. I'm like, you're sitting on your back porch with a bipod or a tripod. Yeah. I'm trying to hold my rifle, 
you know, I'm trying to hold this air rifle and I might have a headshot and I might have behind the shoulder shot because I was talking about I wasn't real happy with the, uh, the Benjamin Marauder come out with a uh, semi-automatic 22 caliber air rifle. Okay. It just didn't have the knockdown power, squirrel hunting, uh, even though it'll put them out as fast as you can pull the trigger. Hmm. You know, Interesting. I mean, it, it'll put them out there, but I, 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 you know, we aren't guaranteed when we're squirrel dogging that we're going to get that head shot that we want. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, you might have to shoot behind the front leg or something. That's why I like the 25. The 22 just didn't have the out of the Benjamin Marauder semi-automatic. You know, you get something like an FX or something, it would be definitely more powerful. And, okay. And, and, you know, but I like that stuff. That's why. That's the only reason why I'd be more. <laughs> in, I'm a little more interested in deer hunting in Indiana because I can hunt with an air rifle. Yeah. Now I've, like you said, I've I've went and uh, deer hunted with some running dogs before. That was a different experience. It was pretty cool though. Oh, you know, like uh, me, if I lived down south and I've never done it, um, I have no idea. I mean, I know it's about like running coyotes where you got to go around and cut them off. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going to walk around and cut off a deer. Um, yeah. and they're going to make a big circle from just what my buddies tell me. I don't really know that much. You've done it, so you know more about it than I do. But the days that I went, we had a lot of people. So basically they just put a lot of people, a lot of guys sit in a stand, you know, on a power line or on a, I don't know, on a, on a cutover or something. They have where you can s- see them coming. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of the way they did it. it was, we were, we were sitting in different stands and then they come through and they turn dogs loose. So, Right. Right. But, but you know, talking about the Leicas, um, hey, you know, definitely like I was saying before, if you think you want one, you know, if you get on the United Like Hunters Association page, uh, Facebook, or any of those Leica pages, mm-hmm. uh, make sure it's a hunting group. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's a couple of them that aren't. But, you know, and... And you can always message me. It's just Darren Petty, you know. Just message me on Facebook. I will if if you want to get know anything about them. It's not that I'm an expert, but I can dang sure probably tell you because it's not a there's not a thousand of us out there. There's there's a there's a couple hundred, yeah. and I probably know somebody in your area that you can go see those dog tours. And I would recommend you do that because it might not suit you. You know it, and, and that's okay. Yeah, yeah, you they're, know, they're definitely a little different, but for certain people, I mean, they seem to definitely work. You can run them in breeding pairs or dogs that are used to each other, but if you roll up with your buddy and he's got two or three dogs and you throw them out, there's a lot of them that won't put up with that. Yeah. I mean, they're 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 more wolf-like and pack-like in that mentality. Okay. They're, they can be grouchy. Mm-hmm. I mean, Pam talked about her dog, her dog Ember, who's from my my female, her and Alex's female did not get along and they had to put her up because she just didn't like her. Yeah. You know, they're, it's a strange dog and, and for whatever reason, same sex is usually a, can be an issue. Yeah. Um, and Kilby used to be that way, but I'm a dog trainer. So there's a million dogs here all the time. And the older she got, she just got used to different dogs being here. Yeah. So, you know, you got to do that socialization aspect on, on them and, and understand them that they, that, you know, big game, they do run two or three. You know, you'll see them, you know, but they're usually dogs from the same group. And you've probably seen that with the guys running boar. They'll have three or four like us working a, a boar. Yeah. Um, 
you know, if you're down south and you want to go see, uh, if you're around the Louisiana area, if you want to go on a hog, you know, see them work a hog, get old Adam to you. He has a Leica that I bought from Igor Kowalski that preferred big game. Uh, slower, mature, he just start treeing it too. And if they aren't treeing by a year, you know, I'm so finicky. It's okay. ridiculous. Cause I got, <laughs> I, I got really spoiled because my first Leica treated like 13, 14 weeks old yeah. and timbered the squirrel. And then Kilby was so great that sometimes I'm, I'm too finicky. Um, <laughs> but the good ones uh, spoil you. The you know, the good ones will run you, especially if that's your first two or three, and then you're like in bad shape. <laughs> but um, it's from Igor Kowalski's, and and uh, I noticed that when I went out to Missouri, he, he would like we'd get around hog sign, and he was more fired up. And so I sold him to Adam, and you know Adam, the first time went out, killed two or three hogs with him, and nice. they, he has a looser bang style, mm-hmm. um, which means they live a little longer. If you've got a rough hog dog, if you've been around hog dogs. Rough ones don't live long. Yeah. They, they have a tendency. Um, but, you know, the dog, uh, you know, he's he's a bigger like. He's like 70 pounds. That's big for a West Siberian. I, I kind of wonder, and I talked to Vladimir about this. He said they started breeding a bigger like, which actually says not smart because they're not as quick and agile mm-hmm. uh, working big game as they should be. 35 to 45 is a good working range. Okay. And you're and, and you'll see the guys in down south, they like that 30 to 35 pound Leica. Yeah. You know, they want that smaller Leica. Up here, I do like a little bigger one mm-hmm. just because we got coyotes. Yep. So, any questions for me? No, I think you've you've covered a lot of it. Uh, I really uh, I mean, the after head off. I, I enjoy talking dogs. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, if you guys want, if anybody you're listening to your podcast, just send me a message. And if you want to go see one work, and I I might know somebody in that area, I'll I'll point you to them. I'll try to answer your questions, but I'll probably tell you before you buy one, give Vladimir a book. Yeah, um, he's 85 years old. He's 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 just a wealth of knowledge. Um, because he hunted him in Siberia. Mm-hmm. I mean, Vladimir has a doctorate and syntology or something like that. And that's like the study of animals or something. I couldn't even begin to tell you. I mean, he was a professor in the Soviet union and then immigrated to the U S he was a professor in Oklahoma state, um, North Dakota state and different. And, um, you know, so he's such a wealth of knowledge that, and he's 85 and and he just now lost his license because he had an accident was just that he couldn't drive anymore. Um, that's awesome. But, uh, you know, we're going to lose this, this wealth of knowledge that actually hunted with the cyber. You know, there's none of the rest of us that can say that, that we hunted in the area they're from. At least he Um, was smart enough to write a book and try to capture some of that knowledge. You know, a lot, a lot of times that kind of knowledge gets lost. But luckily, oh, yeah. he wrote the book. And, and he's written, I mean, he's like world-renowned for his articles on ancient breeds anyways. He's mm-hmm. written for organizations on, you know, ancient breeds. I mean, he's just a, just a really neat guy to talk to. You gotta, you're almost better if you can't wade through the, the thick Russian accent mm-hmm. to send him a message because <laughs> it's a lot easier to uh, understand him. Yeah. I can kind of wait through because I have a long wrestling background, so I've been around a lot of Russians uh, in my life, so I can kind of wait through it. But, no. but I'm going to go run dogs, guys. I, I'm going to go run my dogs on Tuesday. Yep. So all Good of you, you know, 
such a pleasure talking to you, buddy. Thank you for joining me, and like I said, good luck tonight. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Tree Talking Media. And until next time, keep them talking in the timber.